Welcome to Coffee with Kim. I'm Kim Kelp, and every week you and I sit down with fascinating, smart, and talented leaders, CEOs, and founders so that we can copy their homework. If someone knows how to do something really well, I want to know what it is and exactly how they're doing it. Get ready for aha moments, gems of wisdom, and little known tips and tricks that we can steal and use in our own lives. If you want to join these conversations and ask these experts your own questions, no point in just me having all the fun. Join us on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern live over on LinkedIn. Hi, friend. Happy Wednesday. It is so good to see you on this week of love. Hopefully your Valentine's Day continues to provide lots of chocolate and sweets and treats as as the days continue. So it is so good to see Ryan and Kelly and Matt and Kathy and Jeff, everyone who is saying hi in the chat, that's where the party's at. So if you haven't already, make sure to say hello if you're joining us live. If you are joining us on a audio only version or a repeat, that's okay. We're still going to have a really great time. And just know that you can always send questions or follow-up comments right here. We're here. We hang out every single Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern to talk to interesting founders, leaders, executives, and boy, today is no exception to that because we have one of my favorite, favorite, favorite LinkedIn learning instructors, Bonnie, with us today. She is an expert on all things project management. She has over 30 years of experience. So you can say she's she's seen it all. If you if you think that you haven't seen something, you have you've yet to meet Bonnie. Um, her course Project Management Foundations has been seen over 2 million times by people on the LinkedIn learning platform, which is just absolutely amazing. And just goes to further speak to how many people she has helped learn and really educate on what can be sort of a sticky subject, which is why I was really excited for her to come in here and join us today, because I think A lot of us, whether we know it or not, are dealing with projects or needing solutions in our everyday lives to keep us organized, on task, and most importantly, efficient. So I'm seeing a lot of people who are joining in who are looking for all three of those things, like Deborah, who's coming in from Texas, and Lola, who's coming in from Nigeria, Carolina from Panama, and Michelle from Seattle. I'm so excited to see all of you guys here today. And I hope wherever you are in the world, you will help me by raising your glass. Today I have some caffeine but maybe you have something different and helping welcome Bonnie to our coffee chat. So good to see you, Bonnie. (laughs) So good to see you. Thanks for having me on. Oh, I'm so excited to have you on today because as I was thinking like, okay, we're, we're six weeks in to the new year. There might be some people who had some big goals to, to get organized and to kind of um, really up their project management game. And they might need a little bit of a, a, a Bonnie reboot. They might need a good a good kick in the butt right about now. You know, actually, I, I don't really believe in, in <clears throat> excuse me, New Year's resolutions. I think Valentine's Day resolutions are really good. So 
Me too. So for anybody who's joining who might be kind of coming on going, I think this might apply to me, but I'm not really sure. It seems like what Bonnie does is very specific. What, how do you define project management? Because I feel like it can go in a lot of different directions, but how, how do you think about it? So, okay, project management, it, it's very easy and it really has to do with what is a project. And the thing about projects is that um, a project is a temporary thing. It has a beginning and it has an end. And that, you know, and it's also typically unique. So if you're, you know, building a set of track houses and, and they're all exactly the same, you know, maybe not really a project. Um, but as far as, you know, when you talk about going in different directions, you know, when I go on vacation, a vacation is a project. Um, if you move to a new house, that's a project. So it's not, it's not just about doing things at work. It's, it's things in your everyday life is, you know, requires project management. And the thing about project management is you have this project and you want it, you want to be successful. So project management is just, it's about all the things that you do to make sure that that project is successful. Well, and I love that you brought up the fact that it's unique because I think sometimes we think to ourselves, I have a lot of projects going on when in reality, I think you use this in one of your courses. I can't remember which one, but you gave the example of blog posts. You know, if yes. you work at a company or you yourself say, okay, every Tuesday I publish this blog or, or in this case, Coffee with Kim every Wednesday. Um, Coffee with Kim is not a project. You know, writing blog posts is not a project because that's something that happens every single week. It is not right. unique. And so I think that that is something that is really lost sometimes on people because people might say I have so many projects, but they're not really looking at it the, through the lens of what's a unique one or not. Right. Yeah. If it's not unique, then it's basically just your day-to-day -day operations or week-to-week -week op operations in this case. So. And I know, obviously, over the course of 30 years, you have worked with a lot of different individuals and companies to kind of help them optimize their project management. And I'm curious if over the course of that time, there are some like common mistakes or, or you, you know, you kind of walk into a new company or you talk to a new person and you're going to yourself, yeah, there's a six out of 10 chance that they are struggling with like this one thing. Well, you know, I think that um, one of the big mistakes that a lot of people make, and, and not necessarily the project managers, a lot of times it's management, um, is knowing what you actually want to achieve with your project. Because if you don't know what, you know, it's like, one of the books that I wrote about project management, I had a lot of um, Yogi Berra quotes uh, because just because he's so funny um, and project management is so dry. So one of the quotes that, that I use for this is, if you don't know where you're going, you might not get there. And yep. that is, I mean, that is the probably the biggest problem 
in projects is that if you don't have, if you don't know what the goal is, or you don't have the right goal, then your chances of succeeding just, you know, I mean, it's, it's going to be hard because you just don't know where you're going. So. so really defining that, defining that end goal. And do you have a, you know, process or a template or a system that you're like, I like to use, you know, this acronym to, to help define like what that North star, or what that end goal is. No, you know, I think that the, the, the thing that I do is, uh, and when project managers are brought on to manage a project, that is your chance to make management think about the project again, even, even if they've thought about it before. Um, <clears throat> when, when they bring you on to manage this project, you can have a conversation with them and, and basically interview them and ask them, you know, what is the goal? What are the objectives? Why is that the goal? What, why do you have those objectives? You know, what does success look like? That's another thing. You know, when you when you have objectives, you also have to define how you're going to tell that you've achieved those objectives. Yes. So, and, it, you know, and I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, and this is from a long, long, long time ago. When I was still working for a company, they wanted to go to a trade show and they wanted, and they, they came to me and they said, okay, we want you to manage this project. We want to create all brand new demos, you know, for this booth at this huge trade show. And I said, okay, great. So what, you know, what are the messages that you want to get across? And it's like, oh, well, we haven't figured that out yet. We're still working on that, but we want you to get, get going on the, you know, on the demos. And I was like, nope. And, you know, of course, they looked at me. It's like, what do you mean? No. And it's like, I believe me, if you tell me what the messages are, you know, you can have four weeks to come up with the messages, but I'm not going to start building demos until until I know what those demos are supposed to show. And, you know, and I bought the, you know, I got the time. They figured it out and everything was great. But, you know, well, so and I and I feel like so much of when you're when you're having those discussions with management, I think that Romani, if I'm saying your name wrong, I'm sorry, you can correct me in the chat. But um, one thing that I think is is really interesting that he brought up here is documentation, because I think at least for me in, with project management in the past, that has sometimes been one of my biggest pitfalls. Um, because I would be talking on the phone with a client or a manager, or we would be in person and I wouldn't follow up in writing and that's on me. And yeah. so what would happen is a week or two weeks or three weeks would go by and I would reference, oh, you know, well, remember we had that discussion on the phone and then, you know, suddenly everybody has amnesia. I don't remember saying that. I don't remember, you know, that was one of our goals. And so one thing that I've learned is after you have those discussions, like following up in writing is kind of like, at least for me, become like a common practice. But um, I'm wondering if you, you know, have also found that or have guides or templates that you're just thinking like, yes, every single time I do X, Y, Z after talking to management. Well, the thing about documentation is, I mean, I think that there are a couple of different types of documentation. So what you're, you know, and what you're talking about is, yes, do, you know, documenting the the decisions or, um, 
you know, constraints, assumptions, you, you know, just the things that come up and you do, especially like commitments, uh, you, you do want to have those in writing or some kind of tangible place. But the other, the other type of documentation is that when you're managing a project, there, there are a lot of, you know, I, I actually hate the term, but artifacts of project management where like, for example, you know, when you, when you have a project, you want the stakeholders for that project to be happy at the end of it. And so just like needing to know what success looks like, it's like, well, what is going to make these stakeholders happy? So one of the things that you can do, and you can actually do this for very small projects as well as big projects, is to do a stakeholder analysis. And you actually can put together basically like a spreadsheet that will document, okay, here are the stakeholders, here's how they relate to the project, here's what they care about with the project, like what they want to achieve, you know, the objectives that they're interested in, here are maybe their concerns about the project. And so that gives you, you know, by doing that analysis, you will know how, how to interact with them, like what to tell them about, you know, it'll guide your communication. Um, and there are a lot of other things like risk management. So, you know, having a log of the risks or the changes that people request in your project. And, um, and so there are a lot of kind of forms and logs that you would also create. And do you suggest giving visibility on this documentation to everybody involved in the project, only certain members of the project? It, you know, so communication in a project is, you know, you also will have like a, you'll put, put together a plan for how you're going to communicate and you'll have different audiences within the project. So the important thing is to you know, communicate the right things to the right people, you know, like on the right uh, frequency and in the way that they want to be communicated with. So it, it depends, you know, you don't really, like, for example, management does not want to know all the nitty gritty details, but yeah. you know, people on a team may need to know those things. So you're going to just tell different people different things. Um, but the one thing I, I just wanted to say related to documentation is um, as far as the kinds of documents and logs and forms that you would use, uh, another LinkedIn learning author, uh, Cindy Snyder Dionisio, is uh, she has a couple of books that are available on Amazon and one of them is basically a book of all the forms that you might want to create for a project. Wow. She, she sent me a copy and it is, it's awesome. So I highly <laughs> recommend, I recommend getting that book if you, if you want to know, and it doesn't mean you have to, this is another key point. You don't have to create every single one of those for every single project. Because if you have a project that's only going to take two days, you know, you're not going to create a three inch ring binder of documentation for it. So, right. Anyway. 
No, it, definitely the size and the scope of the of the project matters. And you know, speaking of sky, size and scope of a project, I really love this point that Jeff brings up, which is when you know that you have a project on the horizon, whether that is for your marketing department or your sales team, you know, you know something's coming up. How can you evaluate how many project managers you need? And in this case, Jeff talks about how he was going to do one project and he realized he required two project managers and, and even just justifying hiring two people was a big challenge for him. So how do you suggest that teams think about what they need or, or even try to evaluate it? Well, I think that the, the thing about, you know, how many PMs you need, I mean, there are all sorts of situations, but, you know, like, for example, I, you know, there was one project that I worked on uh, that was part of a big, big, big Bell Canada project, huge project. There, there was only one project manager, but he had, um, he had like a, a project coordinator and he had a project scheduler. He had other people to help with, you know, the different parts of his job. So, you know, in, and I think, it, again, it's like if you ask for two project managers for one project, you know, people might say, yeah, why do you need that? But if you say, well, here, here's this project and here, you know, here's how much effort it's going to take. I mean, you can do some, some uh, like guidelines of 15% of the, the hours on a project may be related to project management. So if you have like this huge project with tons of people working on it, you can say, well, you know, 15% is more hours than one person can handle. But that doesn't really, you know, you, you may just need other people, like someone to handle the changes, you know, someone to handle the risk, someone to handle the schedule. I mean, the, so it's just offloading some of those day-to-day -day things that, you know, so that the project manager can focus on a higher level perspective of the project. Especially when you're getting into those like day-to-day -day kind of minute details that still take up brain space. So someone has to be on top of them, but it might not necessarily be the main project manager. And the, you know, no. the other point of that is, you know, knowing how to delegate is really important. <laughs> Absolutely. What have you found is kind of your secret sauce when it comes to delegating on projects? Well, um, to, to me, I think that the secret sauce with delegating is, is pretty simple in that it, it, it comes down to, well, there's two things, I think. One is just, you know, being good at communicating. And two, and, and this is where I have trouble, not being a control freak. So, because the thing about delegating is when you delegate, you, first of all, I mean, you want to make sure that the person that you're delegating to understands like what they're supposed to do and, and why, you know, I mean, in, in all the mm -hmm. books that I've written in my courses, like I always talk about the why as opposed to, I mean, you know, like 
software documentation. It's like, click this button. And it's like, why? You know, so tell them why, tell them what, but then kind of get out of their way. <laughs> get out of the way. It kind of, I love the the little phrase of tell me why, because it, it sort of reminds me of like a parent and a child. And it's like, eat this because I said so. <laughs> You're like, but why? Why am I eating this broccoli? What's happening? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, really asking why, I mean, that, that is important at the very beginning of the project. I mean, if, when you're talking to management about what the goal is and they say, oh, well, we need a new website. Why? Why? And then they'll say something else. And it's like, why? <laughs> and it's like, eventually you might actually dig down and, you know, and really find the reason. But um, yeah, so. Which is, which is big. And, and as you kind of dig down with your group, I, I wanted to bring up Giacomo's point here that you might be the new person in the group. This might be your first rodeo, so to speak, when it, when it comes to project management. So for people that are listening or joining us live, that they're thinking like, yes, that's me. Like, this is my first rodeo. Like I am not experienced uh, in the project management world, but I'm starting to, you know, dip my toe in or, or do this undertaking. What is, what are some like tips or best advice that you have for someone that's kind of maybe got a little imposter syndrome, even just kind of like, am I even qualified to be the project manager on this? Cause I've never done it before. Yes. Yes. I actually, you know, just like everybody else, I, I suffer from imposter syndrome still to this day. So <laughs> first of all, the, you know, I think that the, the key is, you know, embrace the imposter syndrome and then just hug it so tightly that it dies. <laughs> so. Hug it super, super tight. <laughs> um, and you know, as far as like when, when you're managing a big project for the first time, you know, I have, I have worked on more smaller projects than I have larger projects. However, I have worked on larger projects. To me, it's, it's just a matter of scale. You know, if I'm, if I am managing a small project, you know, you're still trying to make it successful and you might not do as many things and you might not have to, but so it's just a matter of scaling up. So if you're afraid because you're now you're on this big project for the first time, it's like, no, you know, like I've got this, like I've, I've done this on small projects. Uh, I'm just going to have to do, you know, I, I'm I may need to do some things that I haven't done before. Like I actually managed some projects, you know, and this was a long, long time ago when I worked at, for McDonnell Douglas, you know, I didn't have to worry about a budget. And so that's the, pretty you know, nice. I've never had that. <laughs> well, it, yeah, it was a, you know, it, it, internal project. And in, in a way, I mean, I suppose my work hours were the budget, but, you know, the first time I actually had to, you know, deal with money in a project, it was like, oh, okay. So this is like, you know, this is a new part that I haven't done before. You know, just, it, just don't sweat it. You know, don't worry so much. Do you, do you advocate, 
I'm, I'm curious because I feel like there's been different different viewpoints on this. So I'm curious of yours because you, you're, you're sort of an expert in this field, but you know, the transparency factor. So some people are like, be open, be honest, tell people it's your first time. And then other camps are kind of like fake it till you make it. Like, don't, don't show anybody that you, you know, it's your first rodeo. I'm curious if you have, you know, one way that you lean more than another. Uh, that's, that's a really, really good question. Um, cause I, when I decided to quit my job and start my business, the first contract that I got, I definitely, uh, didn't tell them it was my first time. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, and that's, you know, that's just the way I had to do it. But at the same time, I, I do think that it's important to be, um, to be open, uh, you know, like for example, I, I'm a big, big believer of telling people early about bad news because yes, when you tell people about the bad news early, you have time to do something about it and, and you don't mm -hmm. have to go to them and say, here's the bad news. And I have no idea what to do. <laughs> you know, you can say, here's the bad news. And, and I've, I have a couple of ideas um, of what we can do, but we should talk about this. So, well, and I think that the, the bad news is key and also delivering just delivering, I think any feedback that people don't really want to hear is also good. I really like this point that, um, Asley brought up, which is sometimes when you're working on something, you might need to tell management. In this case, she's saying that, you know, management is kind of a little scattered and they have 10 goals instead of one goal. Uh, you might need to be the one that after the meeting wraps up, kind of going back to management and saying, I mean, you wouldn't say it like this, but you kind of got to tell them you're a little bit of a hot mess express. Like you're a bit of a hot mess and we need you to pick one goal not like 10 goals. So, so how do you, I guess it's really about having hard conversations is really mm -hmm. kind of goes hand in hand with project management. It seems like. Yeah. It, yes. Because focus, focus is important. I mean, one of the things that a project has is what we call project scope. And, you know, you'll find in many cases that the, the project scope will be huge and you know the the budget will be small and you don't have that many resources and it's just like okay look <laughs> here here is here's what it's going to take to do this scope we don't have enough money we don't have enough resources we don't have enough time so what is the most important thing to do? And, you know, typically, and I've had this, you know, I have, I've had this happen where they say, oh no, it's all, it's all equally important. And it's like, okay, let's, and because I'm kind of a, a nerd, um, I will go back to math. Um, oh yeah. Yes. Bob McGannon, really good friend of mine. That is, one of my favorite quotes, bad news ages like milk, not wine. Um, <laughs> so, but, you know, if you go back to math and if you have, if you have an equation with, you know, three things, you know, it's like you, you can't just, you know, there, there is an equation there. And if you change 
you know, A, it's going to affect C. <laughs> and if you change B, it's going to affect C. So you have to talk to management and, you know, try to help them understand. But I, I will say, you know, there, there could be times when they just, they will not budge. And in that case, the really, the best thing to do is to, you know, try to get out of there because, you know, they're going to blame you at the end. Um, so that's, that's a very tough situation. It's, it, I really, it really is about, you know, delivering that bad news as quickly as possible, preferably with a solution that goes hand in hand to the bad news. Or, you know, I'll say for me, a lot of times what, what tactic that I utilize a lot is I, instead of saying, hey, we have a problem, I will use the, the vernacular of, hey, we have a choice to make. Yes. So I'll say, yep. hey, we have a choice to make. Mm -hmm. We can either raise the budget because yep. you don't got enough money um, or yep. we can extend the timeline because you gave me a week to do this and that's not enough. So, yep. so I'll say like, we have a choice. We can either raise the budget or extend the timeline. Which would you like to do? Instead of going to the client and saying like, well, this is impossible. Like, you know, the, the scope you've yep. given me is like not realistic. Right. I, I will go to them and say, you know, you could have A or B. And I found that in, in the last decade, even if the choices seem silly, so I'll say like raise the budget by $10,000, even if that seems like a, a, oh my God, Kim, of course they're never going to raise it by $10,000. Even the act of giving them a choice mm -hmm. makes them um, less agitated almost. It's like a little kid, like instead of just like taking away their choy or giving them like two other options, we can go to the playground or ride your bike. Yeah. And, and even if it's raining outside and you're like, well, obviously we're not gonna go to the playground or ride the bike. It's just that choice I think is a powerful psychological tactic. Well, it, it, yes, and that and that you're you're absolutely right. You know, giving giving them a choice is is a great tactic. But the other thing too is what another thing that's very good to have as a project manager is, and you know, you 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 will learn this over time, is to have insight into what the organization, you know, the strategy for the organization, and then also going back to the, like the stakeholder analysis, what people mm -hmm. care about, because it's actually, it's more than schedule and budget. It, you know, it could be maybe, yes, you, you might need more time or you might need more money, or you could cut the scope or you could get more people or you could, you know, but in order to present them with, two or three options you you need to know what they care about because if you know if, if they care ultimately about money the most maybe it's a startup and there just isn't a lot of money then you know the other things the the, the other options are going to be the ones that you might present to them Absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I love, I'm probably saying her name wrong, but Ariti's question here, which has to do with, is there a difference? I feel like a lot of the examples we've been learning 
about here involve like you within the organization already. But if you're a freelancer who's kind of coming in with with fresh eyes and it's not like, well, I've worked at Bank of America for 10 years. So like I'm, I'm seeped into this like culture and systems and I know the bosses really well and, you know, can can really absorb their goals very quickly. But if if you are new to something, do you have different pieces of advice for somebody who's not already in grained in an organization? No, not really, because honestly, you know, I, you know, I was a freelance project manager a, a lot. And, and so I was going into organizations that I knew nothing about. Um, and I still, still did the same things that I did when I was working within an organization. Um, I, I think that the key is to remember that, you know, projects wouldn't happen without people. So mm -hmm. you need to understand people and ask yeah. a lot of questions. And, you know, and from, from talking to different people, you'll actually, you'll, you can find out very quickly who the influential people are and you really want to, you know, not interrogate them, but, you know, ask them a lot of questions. You can learn so much from them. The other thing is, and admittedly, this, this is not, um, it, it may be a holdover from, from, uh, you know, when there were a lot more admins, you know, in, in companies, but admins know everything, you know, I can, if, if, you, if you go and ask the assistant to an executive a bunch of questions, you can find out like everything you need to know. It's true. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> they run things. So they, they know they know where all the bodies are buried. They know all yeah. the dirt, all the office gossip, who shows up, what time they show up, when they leave. I you used to live in New York City and it was like your doorman. They deceptively oh, yeah, yeah. know a lot about you. Yeah, exactly. So I, I saw a comment back back near the beginning, and I did want to kind of bring this up. It was uh, that someone had asked um, between like agile and, and traditional waterfall project management, which which was my favorite. And um, that's not the right question. Sorry, Jeffrey. It's it's not about what my favorite methodology is. It's about which methodology is suitable for the project at hand. So, you know, Agile is great when, you know, you don't actually know, you know, what things are going to look like at the end. So you're going to kind of find your way and adjust course as you go. But if you do know, if you have a, you know, I mean, if you're building a building, um, it's like, there may be some small parts of that that can be done as agile, but honestly, um, I don't want to be in a skyscraper that was built using agile methodology. So, you know, I mean, there are parts, you know, cause you can, the, the framework of a building may be done as waterfall, but then, you know, all of the stuff that, that happens to, to, um, you know, build out the offices that are in that building, th those could potentially use Agile. So it, it just depends on the, the project at hand. So the answer is there is no answer. That's yes. definite. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Oh, I love it. Well, I'm excited to dig into some of these speed round questions with you, Bonnie, because okay. I feel like you're going to give us a lot of great fast tactics, which is, I'm really excited about. Okay. Okay. What is something that you have started using or doing lately that you absolutely love. So it could be, you know, an app you started using, a software system that you love, just something that you're like, yes, this is one of my favorites. Well, actually, um, this, my answer is not directly related to what people can do like in their jobs, but like I, for the past year, I have been spending a huge amount of time learning French. And yeah, and, and I'm finally, you know, I'm finally getting to the point where, you know, as I'm going through some of my French lessons, I'll look and I'll go, this sounds right. And it is. And, and that's, you know, like that, when I realized that that was happening, I felt really good about it. But the, but I think that the way to tie that into just, you know, like what we do is just learning in general. I mean, learning a new language just because, you know, just grammar and vocabulary. And it's like, why the hell do they have to have, you know, gendered, (laughs) gendered nouns or, you know, whatever, um, you know, idioms, you know, what you're learning idioms in a new language and you just realize the complexity that's involved. But the, but the thing is, I think the key is starting things and learning new things and exercising your brain and being curious. I, I think that's like, for me, learning French, I am really curious about, you know, like when, you know, you'll, I'll start to see some kind of rule and it's like, okay, well, what actually is the rule? Not just what are the words, but what's the rule behind it? And if you apply that curiosity to your projects or just working in a company or going into a new company as a freelance project manager, that it just goes such a long way. I love it. So everybody, how are you learning French via like Duolingo or Rosetta Stone? Or do you, is it just someone that you found via Zoom? I'm doing, no, I'm doing a few different things. I, I, I've got Pimsleur, which is another online um, language, mm-hmm. but I'm u- using Duolingo just because the repetition is, is really, really helpful. And I'm also taking a a class at uh, the Denver chapter of Alliance Française. So, um, and I have several. You're you're hitting it in all avenues. Yeah, yeah. And I went, you know, I was in French Polynesia and I went to France and I got to actually talk to people. So, yeah. I love that. Well, you're in good company because it seems like Joanna is on 312 days of French practice. So we're nice. in we're good company here. Oh, and James is not far behind with 241 on Duolingo. So that's big. One thing that was really funny is I, I was in November. I actually was down in Australia visiting Bob McGannon and his wife. And 
Bob was learning Spanish on Duolingo and I was, you know, using Duolingo and so poor Denise, you know, she's got like the two of us on our phones with these dings happening all the time. <laughs> it's a necessary evil. It's a necessary yes. evil to learn the language. I love it. Well, I'm curious, you know, one of the kind of thesis that I have is now thanks to, you know, these crazy devices, uh, we no longer are the summation of the five people that we spend the most time with in real life, which used to be like the old idiom. But instead, I think that we are the summation of the people that we spend the most time with, even online, who's content and life that we are consuming. So I'm curious if there are people or brands or individuals or companies that you follow could be on Twitter or LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook that you just feel like they light you up. You're always learning from them or you just feel like, oh, every time I see their post, I'm, I'm getting a smile on my face and a little nugget of wisdom. You know, I, the, have to say there, there are actually, there are a lot of people that fall into that category. I mean, That's I'm it because, you know, Bob McGannon is, is definitely one of those people. I mean, he, he's a, he's so knowledgeable. He's a great presenter. He is really funny. Um, he's, he's just delightful. And, and I'm, I'm glad that uh, I can, you know, well, he, I'm glad that he calls me a friend. Um, <laughs> so, um, and he has a he has a newsletter, and of course he has courses. Um, but I also like a um, Chris Croft is a, another LinkedIn learning uh, author. And actually, I'm heading to the UK. He and I are recording a course together. So, yeah. That is going to be so fantastic. And we'll, we'll drop the links for everybody in the chat for those two individuals. So you can follow along like Bonnie does and absorb some of their goodness. So before, before we get to the very, very last question, I want to make sure we take one more from those that are joining us live in this case, uh, Marie Chantel wants to know from Bonnie, what are the best latest and greatest tools to use in the project management space yeah that's oh that's um it's a tricky one that's a challenging one because i'm actually i don't really like any of them anymore yeah. um, <laughs> like all of them are terrible um you know and i think well it also depends on it depends on whether you want to do agile waterfall a little bit of both you know it and of course and there's there's more beyond agile and waterfall but that those are the two that you know seem to come up all the time i actually did a course where i i signed up for several different tools and ran them all through the same tests and, you know, admittedly, I did that a couple of years ago, so things have probably changed, but um, a couple of the tools that, that I, that seem to do better than others, there's one called Rike, which is W-R-I-K-E, um, mm -hmm. Zoho Projects, and Zoho has a whole suite of apps, but they have Zoho Projects. Um, which was pretty good and liquid planner liquid planner was a little bit more expensive but it actually it was it was pretty nice and of course I mean I still use 
Microsoft project because I've used it for years. Um, and I'm, I'm a big believer in Gantt charts. Uh, and what can I say? So, and you can I use love it for agile. So <laughs> if people wanted to check out that course that you just referred to, is that in the LinkedIn learning library? It is. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So for everybody who's curious about seeing Bonnie test out those systems, you can head over to LinkedIn Learning. And I think if you like, if you search for my name, and then I think it's it's like Project Management Foundations choosing the right tool. I think that's the name of it. Um, so perfect. Okay, so we are on our final question around these parts, and that is a little bit of confession about us is that we love homework. We love homework around these parts. We love to have an assignment, a takeaway, something that we can do for the rest of the week, whether that is uh, read a certain article, listen to a certain podcast, um, check out a certain course or book. So if you could give all of us who are joining here live and listening later a homework assignment for the week, Bonnie, that you think that this would just make us, whether it's a better project manager or just a better human in work, in life, in career, in business, what would that homework assignment be? That homework assignment, and it relates to some of the things we've talked about, I would say the homework is to spend some time in mindfulness. Mm. Don't do, just sit and be and try to, and believe me, it takes a long time to actually learn. I still have not done this, but um try to start calming your mind you know so don't don't look at your phone and don't think about doing something and don't think about reading and don't but just you practice mindfulness to improve your focus because if you can improve your focus you can get so much done yeah that's so true and i will do I will do a shameless plug. I use Headspace. Um, so that is t that tends to be helpful for me midway through the day when stuff's on fire and I just need to take take five <laughs> for myself. Um, I would I would give a little plus one to the Headspace app, but I know a lot of people use Calm and, and some other ones as well. Yep. Oh, Bonnie, thank you so much for joining us today. This was extremely, extremely helpful. If people want to keep learning from you or ask you more questions about, you know, their specific stories or instances that are happening for them at work, where do you spend the most time? Where can people follow up with you? LinkedIn is, is pretty much it. Um, you know, just because I have so many courses there and I get questions from people all the time. So um, yeah, LinkedIn is the place. And and if you take a course, you know, there's a Q&A feature in the courses. So um, I look at that stuff all the time. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you everyone for joining us. This was amazing. As always, this will be available on all podcast channels starting next Tuesday. And a replay will be available right after this ends. So if you miss or you want to go back or you were like, what was that thing that Bonnie said? Uh, you can rewind and see this. But thank you so much for joining us, Bonnie. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Kim. It was really fun. I appreciate the invite. 
Awesome. Well, have a good week, everybody. Yeah, bye, everybody. Whew, that was some good stuff. Thanks for being a part of this week's Coffee with Kim. If podcasts are your thing, subscribe to the show and you'll see a new episode appear next week in your favorite listening app. If you want to be a part of the conversation, join us live on Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern over on LinkedIn. You can RSVP at getcoffeewithkim.com. I want you to have your questions answered because why should I get to have all the fun? And let's be honest, you know how to ask some hard hitting questions. My guests and I cannot wait to meet you. See you soon.